Rick guys. Welcome back into another PGA DFS video. Got the Masters here, which I'm very excited for. Obviously, we're going to get into the top picks, the preview, the core plays, the fades, and then touching on some outrights as well. Uh, but before that, I just want to say um, I appreciate all you guys. This is typically a big content week for not only myself, but other people that are putting content out there. So, you know, do what you can to help them. Um, if you guys could leave a like, I would appreciate that. If you're not subscribed, you know, we've been killing it for the past four years or so. You should already be subscribed. But if you're not, uh, subscribe. And then, you know, if you can leave a comment, that helps the video out as well. I would appreciate that. But let's get into it, guys. I'm pretty excited. And I think we should start it off with talking about Tiger Woods here. Okay, so Tiger, he is already the most outright bet golfer this week. Okay. And I kind of think that's the approach to go with. Like in DFS, we know probably should stay away. Not going to be a good option. If he was priced kind of where he should have been, which is like pretty much Paul Casey. Paul Casey is priced at 7.6 coming off of that back injury. You know, we we know he'd be a quality play if he was in um if he was healthy pretty much. With Tiger, we haven't seen him in, you know, over a year and a half now. So we don't know what to expect from him DFS wise. So I'm gonna put a comment in the comment section, two of them, okay? One's gonna be yes, I'm playing Tiger Woods, or two is gonna be no, I'm not playing Tiger Woods. And really it comes down to I think FOMO. And that that's why I don't mind putting out right bet on him instead of um playing him in DFS. He's just priced too high. So it doesn't really make sense to play him. And so for me, I think I'm going to be fading him. You know, it just, it doesn't really make sense to play him. And, you know, you look at his other two starts other than his first place finish, they were 38th and like 36. So not that good of a finishes as well. So, you know, there's better plays in that price point range as well. So for me, I'm not going to be playing him. But now guys, let's get into the preview for this week. All right, so getting to the Masters preview here. So just looking at the past winners, we've had Hideki, Dustin Johnson, Tiger Woods, and Patrick Reed. The thing I want to point out with these guys is that all of them were rated really well in the 9 to 5 model. The average model rank of these guys was 9th. So Patrick Reed was a little bit lower than that. But the thing is, it's easy to predict who's going to do well in this one. There's a couple of plays normally each year that might miss the cut off of just really one bad swing. We can see it's a harder scoring event, uh, 2.7 this is the average cut line. So just looking at the course, it is a Parkland-style course, longer track. Obviously, the greens are going to be fast. Bank greens, par 72 course, Bobby Jones course design. We know everything we already need to know about the Masters pretty much and Augusta National. But looking at the key stats. So one thing I want to point out is that we don't have stroke scan data here. Don't really get why, but we know how this course plays. We've seen it time and time again. That's kind of echoes why we know what to expect with the model and whatnot. So bogey avoidance, birdie to bogey ratio, pretty much the same thing this week. We're going to be concentrating concentrating on that par four scoring is always key par five scoring does matter as well and ball striking pretty much you want to be you know keeping it in play off the tee but also you, you need to be accurate uh, to the green as well some of those players that are you know some of those top stat fits and justin thomas cameron smith billy horschel you know a lot of golfers that have been playing some really solid golf thus far this season looking at course history these are the top three players john rom webb simpson justin thomas over the past four years but it's really close i mean uh after John Rahm, it becomes really close. So there's about like five different golfers that could have been right there as well. Uh, looking at local ties, I do want to point out that the golfers that do have local ties um, finish 11% better than uh, they typically would. So there is a little bit of a Georgia ties there narrative. If you want to roll with that, you can. Uh, and then just get into the thoughts for this week. So the high tier range, this is the most we've had in that high tier range player amount wise. So you can tell DraftKings really try to make an effort to take away the free squares nature of DFS this week. And that typically is what happens in majors. It's super easy to make a quality build in every major. And this week, I think it 
they just made it easier on us to have a quality player pool and just narrow down the player pool so much better because there's no real free squares this week. And so I love the job that DraftKings did with pricing this week. There's going to be some talent to it. It's not just a week in which someone uh, can come in from the general public and have a good week. So I do like that. But you do got to remember, this is pretty much just a glorified uh, WGC event uh, with the like 20 or so players that we know really don't have a chance to win or even top 10. We can just eliminate those guys, and that pretty much is just a no-cut event. So you want to make your roster construction based off of that approach as well. So now let's get into the top picks in the high-tier price point range. All right, so getting to the top picks in the high-tier price point range. Uh, the top four players that I like this week are going to be Justin Thomas, Cameron Smith, Xander Shoffley, and Will Zalatoris. Now, that being said, it's Scotty Scheffler, John Rahm, DJ. I mean, it is loaded here. They did a great job with pricing um, this week once again. Um, DJ someone that's, like, been better as of recent, which I you know I like that from him. Uh, really, the only bad play is going to be Brooks Kepka, who we know who Brooks Kepka is as a player. He's so hit or miss that, like, when he's on, it's going to be a top-ten finish. So if you guys want to chase that, you can. He's not going to rank out well in the model. So that being said, Justin Thomas does rank out as the best player in the 9-5 model. So looking at course history, he's finished 21st, 4th, 12th, and 17th. You know, he's just been a cut maker uh, as of recent as well. Best recent form out of anyone in the field due to his made cuts in a row. Uh, you look at specialist rating, you look at stat fit, you look at course history rank. He ranks top five in all those. So it's no surprise that he ranks out as the top player in the 9-5 to five model. The thing with JT is he has not been clutching up on round four. So maybe he does finally clutch up in round four. Maybe this is what that's been leading up to is him clutching up in round four. And he gets the W. I don't mind that approach. You know, 14-1 to one is some pretty good odds for him. Uh, so if you want to outright bet him there as well, I don't mind that. Cam Smith. It was a little bit shocking, one, to see him priced up this side, but two, that he is the second best pick in the 9-5 to five mile this week. I was a little bit shocked by that, but then you look at his course history, 10th, 2nd, 51st, 3rd. I mean, that is very spectacular there from Cam Smith, so it does make sense. I guess the worry would be that he's coming off of a victory there at the Players' Championship. The last time we saw him come off of a victory, he missed the cut. But this is going to be the Masters. I don't think we have to worry about that. He's going to be mentally geared up to go. That's typically the issue with a golfer coming off of a W is that they're just not as mentally sharp as they typically would be going into events. So I don't think we have to worry about that with him. Looking at his key stats, he ranks top 25 in birdie to bugger ratio, top 20 in strokes and approach, uh, 41st in ball striking, top 25 in greens and regulation. Effective scoring that 9-5 stat that predicts um, both upside and safety, ranks fifth in that. Absolutely spectacular there from Cam Smith. Really the only worry with him is going to be that somewhat recent miscut. Xander Shoffley, pretty much the exact same play as Justin Thomas, just slightly worse. And that's why he's priced down this low. Uh, he's finished third, 17th, second, and 50th. So he has kind of been choking a lot recently as well. He just hasn't been able to find a way to go out and win an event. And once again with JT, maybe it's just been leading up to this event that he finally gets it through and takes away that W. We know JT and Xander are both players that typically play really elite in no-cut events, which is essentially what this is. So I do really like those two golfers as well. Uh, Xander makes a lot of sense at 9.6. And then Will Zalatoris, um, second place finish last year. And we know he came close to winning. It was kind of his breakout performance, especially to the general public. He's made six straight cuts in a row on the PGA Tour. All the key stats that we're looking at this week, guys, ranks top 21 or better. That is absolutely spectacular there from him uh, in one of his most recent starts, fifth, 26, 38, 26, you know, been really good. He played really well at that uh, WGC event. Okay. I was very impressed by Willie Z at that WGC event. And I think that's something that I'm going to be concentrating on because he was making some clutch putts, some clutch shots. He did try to choke away one of the matches, but I like, I like how clutch he had looked. So he's going to be another great play there. I think starting Xander and Willie Z makes a ton of sense. But now dipping down into that mid-tier price point uh, tier, 
it's kind of ugly here, guys. It really is. So, like, all these golfers, they do worry me a little bit. Okay, so I don't think we have to go crazy with them. I don't think any of these golfers are going to be, um, like, high-exposure plays. None of them are going to be core plays. I will say, you know, Louis Ustays, like, they, these guys all should really make the cut. So, starting out with Louis, 8.9 is priced up a little bit too much. And the data kind of says that he has really struggled without green reading books. This is one of his worst putting years on tour. It's significantly worse than it had been in the past two years. So that kind of tells us maybe why he's been struggling a little bit recent form-wise. Um, looking at the field, he ranks 32nd in the field in recent form rank. He just hasn't had those upside finishes that we're typically used to seeing from Louis Oosthuizen. But he has really been safe. He ranks top 25 in that effective scoring stat. A little bit poor in strokes and approach, uh, 132nd in that, but does rank out top 20 in greens of regulation. So, you know, not too worried about that. Course history-wise, he's finished 26th, 23rd, 29th, 12th. So I don't mind him there. I do like Shane Lowry a little bit better just because he has a little bit better recent form, especially just looking at um, his last four starts, 35th, 12th, 13th, and 2nd. So that's really good there for him. He finished 21st and 25th here in his last two starts, which was last year. And missed cut the year prior to that. Not too worried about that. Does rank out top 23 in the 9 to 5 mile this week. Then looking at Adam Scott. So Adam Scott, we know exactly what happened at the Players' Championship. That was still frustrating to me. So, <clears throat> literally, on 18, hit a drive into the water, had a re-tee off, and then hit a second drive into the water. And then, after that hole, they did the stoppage for bad weather. Literally, if the stoppage occurs prior to that, he makes the cut, most likely, and it's perfectly fine. It looks like an even better play this week. So, if we just take out that one bad shot, he's a much better play because if we take that out, he's finished ninth, 26th, and 4th over his last four starts. So obviously that'd be better. He's made four straight cuts in a row at this tournament as well. You know, he does seem like a safe play if we take out that one bad shot. And I, we don't really have to worry about that one bad shot coming into play for M. Scott, unless you're Sun J.M., who last year, he he, uh, he kind of screwed a couple of my builds because he, he had a really good approach shot that ended up rolling off the green, and then he chipped it to just a spot where you just couldn't. It rolls into the water and it's making like a, a quad. It was it was painful. I don't think we have to worry about that for Madden Scott this week. So I do like him as a pick there. And he actually is someone that has been trending to potentially you know take down a W, take down a tournament. So I could see making an outright bet on him as well. And then Terrell Haddon. So Terrell Haddon, I don't exactly know what to do with him. Course history-wise, 18th. Uh, miscut 56 44th so really had been poor up until last year up until the typical masters time he struggled in the fall where he missed a cut and then 18th though so that was pretty good from him um you know decent play only ranks 47th in the 95 mile this week so that's gonna be the worry with him and that's kind of echoes the problem with that price point here like tony fino great course history like him uh he's playing decently well at the valero texas open Joaquin neiman's been in great form uh, Sanjay, I already mentioned him. We have Tiger. So just kind of a bad price point here this week. And that's going to be my worry is that we just don't have those quality plays in that price point here that we would like to have. So I think going with, into the low tier is going to be the option to go with after you go Alexander Willie Z. After you go with those 9K plays, this is going to be the price in tier that I think a majority of builds are going to be made from. All right. So dipping down into that low tier price point tier, uh, there are going to be two core plays here that I'll touch on at the end of this video that I'm not going to mention right now. Um, Curious as to see if you guys can guess them prior to it. I'm sure you can get one of them. Maybe not the other one, though. So we'll see. But the problem with this price point here, or with these first two plays, and actually really these first three plays, answer just with Drew from the Valero Texas Open, said he was forced to withdraw. I took that as him saying that he might have tested positive um, for COVID. Um, someone else said in the 9 to 5 chat said um, that that wasn't the case. 
Um, so, you know, we'll have to see. We'll have to see what the news comes out on that. Um, if he's healthy and we get news that he's healthy, then he's a fine play. I mean, recent form-wise, played well at the match play tournament, miscut prior to that, then 33rd, 39th. He had been a player that we could just lock into a top 40 finish pretty much. Given the fact that he's played really well at this tournament, 26th and 13th, I really like that from him. But, you know, there are concerns there. So I don't want to go crazy with this as a play. You know, maybe only around 10 5% ownership. That's kind of the same thing with Paul Casey here. So Paul Casey at the WGC event was forced to withdraw. Uh, he got the paycheck, secured the bag, and then he withdrew, um, which hurt a lot of people's weeks in DFS. That was kind of like a, a weird thing that happened PGA DFS-wise and um, kind of a sore eye on WGC events as a whole. But it was fun. It was a fun WGC event, the match play tournament. But still, Paul Casey kind of ruined it for a lot of people. That should keep his ownership down on the injury news. So, like, we, we don't know what the status of him is. Um, I would love to see some some rounds, some practice rounds with them. And that's kind of the fun thing about majors is that typically you do get more coverage of players in practice rounds and whatnot. Uh, so that was something I'm going to be paying attention to from Paul Casey. It's like, does he look healthy or not? And this kind of goes back to my, <laughs> I don't want to do this again. Uh, so like in 2019, um, Paul Casey and Tiger Woods were both like really ranking out well in the model. Um, I ended up going with Paul Casey in my main build. He ended up missing the cut, I think. Yeah. He ended up missing the cut, and Tiger ended up winning, obviously. My whole thought process by that was Tiger was going to be chalk and Casey wasn't. Well, it's kind of like like the same thing with Tiger and Paul Casey, honestly. It's like Paul Casey, really strong player, really good staff fit. Uh, we just don't know what to expect with him like body-wise. Um, we know if he is going to be playing well and he's healthy, he probably will get a top 26 place finish. And so for, for me, this is where, like when I said earlier, where like it doesn't make sense that Tiger Woods is priced $1,000 more. It's like, might as well just play Paul Casey at this price point. And now Tiger's going to win now that I'm saying that once again. Uh, but yeah, just, you know, he's, he's an okay play. And once again, we just need to know, we need to get the news from him. That's pretty much what needs to happen. And same thing for like Webb Simpson. Webb Simpson has sucked this year. This has not been a good Webb Simpson year. So we're going to sell top 30 in the nine to five mile. That's okay at this price point. We don't love that though. Um, but it's okay. You know, what we like is that good course history, 12th, 10th, 5th, 20th. But he is not as good of a stat fit as he had been prior or leading up to those uh, Masters tournaments. So, like, I don't think we can expect a top 20 place finish. I do think we can expect a top 30 finish, though, from him. Still, it, it worries me a little bit. And then Billy Horschel. Billy Horschel, guys, what a strong play Billy Horschel has been this season. I mean, he's probably going to be the 9-5 to player of the year here. Probably. I mean, 7.4 this week for, at the Masters tournament. He has made the cut here three straight years in a row. But he had not been playing as good as he had leading up to the event as he is right now. We can see it. Sixth best stat fit in the field. He has been absolutely spectacular over the past 10 weeks on the PGA Tour. We look at his recent form. Top nine in that. Top ten in that. Ninth in recent form. Like Absolutely spectacular there. He was fourth to withdraw uh, two events ago. But besides that, ninth, second, sixteenth. I mean, Billy Horschel, he's someone that I put some outright bets on for the U.S. Open for the PGA championship. I don't know how I feel about him for like winning the masters. Well, you know, I, I just don't see him as a player that would win the masters, but I do see him as someone that could win the U S open or the players champ or not the players, the PGA championship. He could though. I mean, he's top 15 pick in the nine to five mile. I do think he is a strong play this week. So if you want to roster him, you can, I'm perfectly fine with that. Now we're going to get into the value plays and then we'll get into the core plays, the fades. And then we'll be finishing up here with a sample build. 
All right, so dipping down to the value tier, guys, it is pretty ugly. So like Siwoo Kim, Bobby McIntyre um, are both a little bit higher priced than this. Like Siwoo is 7-1, and then uh, Robert McIntyre is like 7K. Like I think those are much better plays than these golfers right here. But I do like the hit or miss nature of really Gary Woodland, Brian Harmon, Kevin Na, and I think Christian Bazoo now is going to give you guys a potential for a make cut, which you know really at this price point, that's all you want. But with this being, like I said, a glorified uh, WGC event, a glorified no-cut event, um, and, and I, I don't want people to take that poorly. The Masters is awesome. Like I'm, I'm just like, that's the nature of the beast this week in DFS and outright betting. Okay. It's, that's just what it is. Okay. Masters is awesome. We know that, <laughs> uh, but Gary Woodland here. So Gary Woodland, I have some outright bets going on the Valero Texas open as I'm recording this Bo Hosler, 150 to one in first, uh, Gary Woodland right there. I think he's like two off. Outright bet as well. Troy Merritt, I think he's in first or like one off the lead as well. So three outright bets that are right there. And then some players in the cash build like Matt Kuchar's right there as well. Siwoo Kim is a player that I decently liked as well. So I would like to see one of those golfers win. Point that I'm trying to make here is that we have seen Gary Wilden just be really hit or miss as of recent. So probably going to be a top 10 finish once again this week. So 10th at the Valero. 21st, miscut, 5th, and 5th. So those upside finishes have been there with him. It's going to be like 50% of the events he's made a cut and 50% of them he's been uh, in a spot to potentially take down a win. So I, I kind of like that hit or miss nature with him. He's made two out of four cuts here in the past four years, which isn't great. We don't love that. But, you know, really with this price point, what you'd want to be doing is you'd want to be tracing that recent form upside, which I'd be perfectly fine with. So, you know, he doesn't rank out well in the nine to five model until we get it, that data in from the Valero Texas Open. Probably rank out top 40 once we had that in there. So I don't mind him as a pick. And kind of the same reasons that I like Gary Wooden, I like with Brian Harmon. We've seen him have a bunch of like tournaments in which he's randomly just had the week where everything's clicking and he's been in contention a few weeks. I like the 12th place finisher last year. I like the 44th place finish, um, you know, four years ago. The thing with Brian Harmon is last year, he was a quality play. He was a great option, great value. Uh, it was easy to spot this year. It, he is not standing out as much. He's a decent play 43rd in the nine and five mile ranks out as someone that should make the cut ranks out as a decent pick. I don't hate him, but I don't love him. Like we're, we're chasing some stuff there with him. And then looking at Kevin, not Kevin, not, 12th, 13th, 46th. So three straight make cuts here at this tournament. So we do like that with him. Obviously, he played really well at the match play tournament. Probably should have made it out of his grouping. Willie Z just put the hammer down on him and just uh, made some putts. So he probably should have finished fifth there. Uh, Willie Z kind of stole that. Two missed cuts prior to that, and then a 20th place finish. So, like, we're searching for stuff here. Obviously, these are value plays at the Masters tournament. They're not going to be great. And then Christian Bazoon out. So four straight make cuts in a row on the PGA Tour. None of them have been great finishes. He has made two straight cuts here as well. So really, you're going to be playing him. And what, what your hope would be with playing him is that he makes the cut. That's what you're hoping for there with him. And then I do want to mention Cage Lee. He burned us. He finally burned us. It was like a like nine straight weeks we've rostered him out of his like 12 straight make cuts in a row on the PGA Tour. He's not someone that I would think would look ahead. But maybe he was, you know, first Masters. Maybe he was looking ahead because that was his worst tournament by far this PGA Tour season. So maybe he was looking ahead. You know, that was always the worry with last week where players looking ahead, and maybe maybe he was. We'll see. But, you know, at his price point, it's kind of like Peter Uline, where it's just it's cheap enough to entertain it. Okay? So now we're going to get into the fades. We'll get into, well, no. We're going to get into the core plays, We're get, then the fades, and then the outright bets.
All right, so did you guys guess this? Russell Henley is going to be one of the core plays this week. Price at 7.8. I think that's just a great price point for him. I did mention the local ties narrative a little bit. Um, just looking at a player's like typical average finish and then comparing it to how they finish in Georgia courses. So golfers from Georgia finish 11% better than they than their average. So there is a little bit of a narrative there. And, you know, that's a little cherry on top. That's not the reason why I like him, but we can see 17th and specialist rating, which is really good. That actually shocked me. 16th best staff in the field. You know, that makes sense. He's been a, just a very accurate golfer. If he can sink a few pots, he can go on and win. It's kind of like, I don't want to say it's like Hideki, but like with Hideki, really, it's just if you make some putts, you're going to win. Kind of like Willie Z last year. If you make some putts, you're going to win. If Russell Henley goes out and makes some putts, he could go on and win. He really could. Um, we look at his course history here, you know, really only one start here in the last four years, finished 15th and that was in 2018. So there's that there as well. Um, really just strong recent form. And I, I do think he would make a lot of sense for like a top 30 bet. Uh, recent form has been spectacular eighth in the field. And it's no surprise that with really checking all the boxes this week, he ranks top eight in the nine to five miles. So it does make a lot of sense just at that price point is going to be tough to pass up on. And it's one of those situations where even if he lets us down, we kind of just know that's the right play. And we just kind of got to deal with it if he misses the cut. Now, if he was priced probably where he should have been, like 8.3, you know, you'd have to think about it. That extra $500 would make him an, uh, an iffy play. At this price point, it's just kind of a no-brainer, especially compared to all the, all the other players around in his price point tier. I'll get into the next play, guys. It's one that, you know, I, I just, I like him as a pick this week. Uh, Corey Connors ranks out top 20 in the 9-5 to five mile. Just once again, given his price point and comparing him to the other players around him, it does make a lot of sense. We can see his starts at the Masters have been better each year. We love that. So eighth last year, 20th or 10th the year before that, and 46th the year before that. He kind of echoes the players that do really well at this tournament. You know, ball strikers, golfers are going to hit the greens, and, you know, they don't really make that many putts, but he is a golfer that has been so much better putting recently than he has in the past. So he is someone that easily could start making some putts, and could he win it? You know, maybe. Maybe you could win it. I, I don't really see that happening because he has had some, you know, random miscuts mixed in there. Uh, we can see, but for the past like year, 24 starts, only three miscuts. Now, two of those were somewhat recently, but still have been playing some quality golf. Going to be a pretty good play, especially once we get that data in for this week. I think he'll probably end up being a top 15 pick in the 95 mile, given his recent form and staff fit will improve a little bit. So, 7.6 for Corey Connors. Now, I probably won't actually make him a core play. This is for content purposes, core play. Uh, he'll probably be a high exposure play though at this price point. Once again, just kind of at that price point, just the correct play. And honestly, guys, it's tough to find quality low exposure or low tier plays. Corey Connors and Russell Henley are going to be two quality plays for you. And then we're going to get into two core plays that you already saw coming because I already mentioned them. One's going to be Willie Z. And I do struggle with that. This once again is another price point thing. Um, I do think he'll probably be lower owned than he should be, but 9.2. I've kind of mentioned this, um, a few times in different write-ups and whatnot. Um, like Victor Hovland, Colin Morikawa, you know, the only difference between them and like Willie Z is, is like upside, you know, like I think Morikawa and Hovland have a little bit more ability now, uh, mental grit, if you will, to go on and win. But Willie Z, we saw at the, the WGC match play tournament, he was ready to go. He sunk some putts and that, those were clutch putts. And I'd love to see that. And maybe there's a little bit of human bias there with me. But I think he's just a strong pick. We can see if we were to include that start, it'd be a fifth place finish there, 26, 38, 26, second, and sixth over his recent starts. So we do like that from him. Um, of course, his rank does rank out first. Obviously, he finished second in his first start. Okay. 
Uh, we do love that from him. Um, you know, recent form ranked top 20, specialist ranked top 25, you know, ranks out top 10 in the 95 miles. So I do really like him as a pick. He is like, I could see him potentially missing the cut, but overall, I, I'm not too worried about that. This is just a good price point for him. And then same thing with Xander. Xander is just at a quality price point. I said he's pretty much the exact same play as JT. Um, and, and I think that's true. I uh, just really like the price point here. Missed the cut, the player's championship. We know weather draw there. Um, yeah, it just is what it is there. Like, it is. Uh, after that, finished 12th at the uh, Valspar, 13th at the Genesis, 3rd at the Waste Management Phoenix Open. You know, you had been playing some great golf leading up to that. Still ranks out top 12 in recent form rank, top 11 in course history rank as well. And that kind of tells you just how good of a field we have here for course history rank. So he's finished 3rd, 17th, 2nd, and 50th, and he ranks top 12, not top 5 or anything. I mean, that's pretty crazy. Fourth best specialist in the field, 15th uh, best staff hit. Overall ranks out top three in the nine to five miles. So it does hurt that he burned us at the Players' Championship, got the bad weather draw. I don't think we have to worry about that with him. The thing with him is, and I'll get into the lineup tool now, starting Xander and Willie Z just makes your life a lot, a lot easier here this week. So let's get into select all. I'm just going to click on Xander. Willie Z. And I don't know if you guys call this, but I posted some lineups on Twitter, um, kind of like narrative lineups. They were a stat fit lineup, recent form lineup, um, course history lineup, and then just like projected med cut. All of them but the stat fit lineup, and that's because Bryson was in there, um, would have cashed for you guys. So just want to put that out there. Um, you guys can check that out if you want to for this week. I think I'll make that a weekly thing. But we've got our four core plays in there. Right now it's looking great. Ninth best in course history ranked, top 20 staff hit, recent form ranked 16th, average mile ranked 10th. That's really good. So how can we close out this build though? So um, let's see here. Dude, this is where it gets tough because like Adam Scott, I don't mind. I think he will make the cut. I'm perfectly fine with that. Um, Matt Fitzpatrick, I don't mind. You know, a little bit over the price point there. Paul Casey, not really cash play. We'll go Billy Horschel. Oh man. Misclick there. I apologize. We'll get it pulled up. So Billy Horschel, Russell Henley, Corey Connors, Adam Scott. Let's see here. Uh, Willie Z. And then Xander Shoffley. And honestly, guys, like this is part of the theme of recently. It's like when we're looking at these golfers, I, I don't really see the difference in safety that much. I mean, this is a pretty strong build. 67% chance to get six for six across the cut line. I would say given this field and given the tournament, I'd probably put that around 75% chance, but average mile rank 13th. I mean, that's really good. Projected fantasy points, uh, 518. That's really good. But just looking at this, I mean, just looking at name value wise, this has kind of been the theme lately is that like the high tier plays, although they have much more upside, the safety, like just looking at it, like we could see Willie Z missing the cut, making a couple like really just bad strokes around the green that are like highly penalize him. Maybe Xander choking. And then we could see like Russell Henley, Corey Connors stepping up and finishing top 10. And then Billy Horschel and Adam Scott will probably be cut sweats. Like I'm perfectly fine with that build. I think it's a really strong build this week. So hopefully that stays true. All right, so getting to the first fade of the week, it's going to be Brooks Kepka. And once again, my goal, guys, is to be on fades that are very risky plays that also do have the potential to win. You know, I don't want to give you guys just general, like, this guy's a bad play fade. Um, I, I want to give you guys some stuff that's actually actionable, like just saying, like, a bad play is a fade doesn't help anyone. So more times than not, these golfers will struggle. 
occasionally one of them will pop and potentially top five. And like we could easily see Brooks Kepka doing that. Okay. But my problem with him as a pick is that just looking at the other players around him, it just doesn't really make sense. We look at Xander, we look at Willie Z, we look at Patrick Hanley, three golfers that I would much rather play that both have the upside. We look at course history wise, they all have that upside. They've all finished really well. They've all finished top 10. But their recent form is much better and much more consistent. You know, we see three missed cuts mixed in there for Brooks Kepka, whereas Patrick Hanley won and five top 10s. We see with Xander, one missed cut with a bunch of tournaments in which he could have won. And then Willie Z's just been a stud recently. So for me, it just doesn't make sense to push it with someone like Brooks Kepka. And I could say the same thing for Bryson. We'll toss him in here. He's another one that I'm going to be fading. And it's the same thing, but Bryson has really struggled at this event. His best finish is a 29th place finish, so really struggled there. We saw him the last two weeks not really looking that good. Okay, so the recent form isn't there with him as well. And just kind of looking at some other players that I'd rather play than him as well, uh, I would look at someone like Sam Burns I'd much rather play, and then Taylor Gooch. So a lot of people are probably going to say that these are not good plays uh, because they don't have any course history here. Uh, There is a course history narrative here for sure. But that doesn't mean you can't play well here. The problem with it is, is that golfers need to be playing well coming into this event. That's like the most predictive stat for this tournament. You need to be playing well in here. You need to be in good recent form and you need to be a good stat fit. Okay. So if they're not, then yeah, they're probably going to struggle. But like some of these golfers, like Sam Burns and Taylor Gooch, they're playing well. Like Willie Z was playing well. Abraham Matzer in his first start here, playing well. Sun Jae in his first start here was playing well. Okay. So there is a path where a golfer like Taylor Gooch and Sam Burns can go on and play well here. So I just kind of rather take the the upside finishes from them a little bit more. We can see, you know, Taylor Gooch has had some really strong finishes. Uh, Sam Burns has had some really strong finishes there, obviously coming off of a victory. And Bryson, we just don't know what to expect from him. So if we're going to, like, play a risky play, I'd rather kind of just go with a little bit of the, the unknown and then go with someone like Sam Burns or Taylor Gooch, okay? Um, looking at another fade here. Let me click off of these guys. Then we're going to get into Sergio Garcia. So Sergio Garcia has a fade. He's just struggled at this course as of recent. It's pretty much the exact opposite of uh, what we've seen from him at the Players' Championship. You know, he was kind of just a strong play that week. So just looking at, like, I don't see the point of playing Sergio over Corey Connors. I don't really see the point of playing him over someone like uh, Russell Henley. You know, two core plays I already mentioned. I think those are going to be much better plays. And even someone like Matthew Fitzpatrick, and I'll pull him up here as well. You know, I'd much rather play Matthew Fitzpatrick as well, who's made three straight cuts here in a row at this tournament as well. He's been in much better recent form. We can see with Matthew Fitzpatrick, one missed cut in there and, you know, a bunch of top 10 finishes. So, yeah, sure, he might not be, like, popping staff it wise but he doesn't really show us any, like, weaknesses in this game as well. So I'd much rather roll with him than someone like Sergio Garcia. And kind of continuing on with that, uh, with the poor course history, and that's where it kind of matters more. Like, golfers that have struggled at this event are more likely to struggle the next year. Okay. So like someone like Max Homo, who's coming in off of two missed cuts here, that does worry me. Now he has been in some really good recent form. Um, I thought he was going to take down DJ um, at the WGC event. Lineup path-wise, it kind of just made sense. Um, I don't like. I don't mind Max Homo at his price point, but you know, coming off of two missed cuts, there's other players around his price point range that I'd much rather roll with as well. Um, but yeah, that is it for this video, guys. So if you want to join 9to5Nation, the best value in PGA DFS, please do. $10 a month gives you all that you need. Uh, I do that for you guys. $10 a month is for you guys, okay? I could be charging much more than that uh, with all the stuff that's in there. I do that for you guys because I was in your shoes one day 
um, or previously, and I just hated the idea of paying like 20, 40, 50 dollars a month for that information for, you know, there definitely is a slight edge there. It's going to help you out week to week and like year to year, month to month. Uh, but it's painful. And so really I, I've done two things. I've made it geared up for you guys, make it so much more actionable that every tool in there is something that like provides you some sort of action. And it's also very, um, kind of takes out the human element of it pretty much is that it's very straightforward tool. Like first round leader tells you who are the top picks for first round leader, the showdown tools that I have out there really just tell you who are the best picks for a showdown. And that's why round one, round two are some of the best showdown slates each and every week. And that's why you see a lot of nine to five members taking down GPPs. I didn't mention this. I probably should have mentioned this. It's April already. In January, I mentioned a goal that I had. It was to have um, three showdown takedowns in three different months from nine to five nation. It's April, January, February, March. We already did that. We already did that in the first three months. We already met that goal. And I thought that was going to be a sweat covered in. Um, there, was, there was a sweat for January. I know uh, Coach, he took down, like a, I think it was a small GPP on like the last day there, uh, which was awesome. But really strong stuff there. So if you guys want to get in there, you can. Um, would appreciate that. But hey, that's all I have for you guys for the Masters Tournament. I might be doing a every player in the field video, potentially. I think that would be a fun one for everyone to watch. Um, we'll see. We'll see. I think that'd be a fun one, but that's all I have for you guys this week. Let's have a good week. And as always, let's keep cashing. Oh, let's go bow Hosler. Let's get that 150 to one ticket cash. All right. I'm out.